So a quick little review here. This is a little bit of a cumulative series. I want to go back and do a fast review. Uh, We have talked about in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 how God created man and woman in his image. And that means that God created them to work as God works. Uh, He planted Adam and Eve in a garden uh, and he plants us into the world. That is the reason that we're made. We are made to work. Work is not a necessary evil. It's actually what we were made to be and to do. However, we sometimes have this difficult relationship with work. Not all of us just wants to pop out of bed at six o'clock in the morning and go enjoy our work. Some of us do, but a lot of times we don't. And some people, uh, they, they dread their work for one reason or another. Well, there's a couple of Uh, factors uh, that really play into that. Number one is that sin has corrupted work. In Genesis chapter three, we see that sin comes into the world and Adam and Eve are all of a sudden separated from one another. And then they hide from God, who is the boss. So they're hiding from each other. They're hiding from God, the boss. And we see separation. God in Jesus and his death on the cross has overcome that separation by giving his life on a cross, which allows us to be reconciled to God. And because we can be reconciled to our creator, we can also be reconciled to one another through the forgiveness of Jesus on the cross, empowering us to forgive each other. There's also not just the separation that happens and the corruption that happens from sin. God also does what the Bible calls subjected all of creation to futility. And that means creation has been thwarted or frustrated so that our work, we bump our head and we hit a a ceiling, sometimes even literally in our life and work. God has allowed that to happen. He's kind of put a lid on our ability uh, because it helps us to see our need for him. It helps us to see our need to cry out to God. God, I can't do it all on my own. I need you. I need your your grace. I need your salvation. I need you to come and to help me. Come and save me. Come and be with me. Come and help me tend to this work that you have given to me. We've also looked at uh, how we tend to have authority issues. Uh, The reason is because every human authority is an authority that is imperfect, whether it's a parent or a coach or teacher or a boss. Uh, We all have had authority figures in our lives and none of them have been perfect. But we see in Jesus, a man who trusted 100% in the authority of his father to the degree that he is willing to lay down his life to earthly authorities as his way of being submissive and obedient to his loving heavenly father. Because Jesus was submissive to his heavenly authority and his father, God has exalted him above the name that is above every name. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, even in this very day. The day will come when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and everyone will know and everyone will see that authority. But most people don't recognize the authority of Christ right now. That's why we're here to worship, is to remember and to anticipate the reign of Christ in the world. So that's a little bit of the review, and that's kind of where we come to today, where, uh, or even last weekend today, where we see really what's going on here is you have two worlds. And the Bible talks about these two worlds in a couple different ways. One of the ways the Bible talks about these worlds is this age and the age to come. 
You'll see that in some of uh, Jesus' interactions with other people. They use that language. Well, this age is the world of creation. It's the world of Adam. It's the world of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And it is good, but is, as we say, corrupted and subjected. But there's also an age called the age to come. And the age to come actually came in and was inaugurated in the resurrection of Christ. In the resurrection of Christ, we have the firstborn of a new creation. Christ was raised a new body, a resurrected body, an incorruptible body. It is a body that is not stained or by the sin or the futility of the first creation. So what we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that was read this morning is this promise of a new world, promise of a new life. And that promise isn't just a future promise. That's a promise that has already begun right now. That means right now you and I live in two worlds at the same time. I'm going to call the first world the world of Adam or this age and the second the world of Christ, the age to come or the age that will be everlasting. And when we go into our world of work, we are, we are living in both those worlds. We're living in the normal, natural, created world and created order. It's the same world that everybody else lives in. But we're also, as followers of Christ, under His authority, living in the kingdom of God. And we do those simultaneously at the exact same time. This kingdom of God was foreshadowed by the Old Testament prophets and by the establishing of ancient Israel as a people. But Jesus comes, and his very first announcement when he comes into his ministry is, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is right here. It's right there in front of us, says Jesus. And so our work in the world of Adam will have an effect upon our work in the world of the kingdom or our work in the world of Christ. It's not just a separation. It's an integration of how we are called to live our lives. God in the workplace is meant to be living in these two worlds. And when you live in those two worlds at once, it's always a bit of a tension involved. There's always, uh, you can see that while there are places where those two worlds overlap nicely, there are also places where those two don't overlap and sometimes where those two are in tension with one another. So this compatibility between our work in the world and God's kingdom is not always evident and often uh, our work, we find out, does not honor God. The work that you find yourself may not be honoring to other people or to God's creation. Consider the ways of our world and consider the ways of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about sharing and is about generosity. But the world that we live in is often selfish and stingy. The kingdom looks out for other people and regards all persons as of sacred value and worth. But the world that we live in often just looks out for oneself or maybe one's group or maybe just one's own company. Maybe it's the bottom line or a personal bottom line that gets looked out for. But the kingdom is about going beyond oneself and sharing and overflowing to the world around us. All of our economic systems do not fully buffer 
injustice from happening. I believe in capitalism, but in our fallen world, that doesn't mean that everything is fair and right in our capitalist society. And it doesn't matter how many rules we create and make to try to make things right and fair, sin will always find its way to get into those loopholes and into those crevices. So we deal with injustice in our world, even in our world today. So what do we do when these two worlds conflict with one another? When our work in the world and our work in the kingdom don't seem to be lining up. What do we do? Well, there are several biblical examples of how work and faith conflicted with each other. We see Joseph, who was sold into slavery and then was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of sexual harassment. We see Esther, who goes to the king on behalf of the Jewish people, using her position as a queen as an opportunity, but also at the very risk of her own life. We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not bowing down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar and therefore being thrown into the fiery furnace. We see Jesus, who was not always good for business. Jesus cast out demons that was in a man into a herd of pigs, and those pigs ran into the nearby lake, and the local economic chamber of commerce, whatever division came out to Jesus and says, hey, you're not good for business. We need you to move your ministry on elsewhere. We see Jesus inviting tax collectors, which means that they must stop what they're doing in collecting taxes. They stop their vocation to follow him. We see Jesus's ministry to Zacchaeus, where Zacchaeus stands there and says to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. That has to do with his dealings at work. Story after story after story after story after story, we see people's faith and their work clashing. And something has to happen. There's a confrontation that needs to be made or maybe a walking away. What do we do when our faith and our work don't overlap? Well, there are always places where our work is not fully lined up with the kingdom of God. That's why we always have to be praying and discerning and asking God what he wants us to do. But there are some places where there is a direct conflict. How do we respond? Well, that depends on several variables. The first one is this. How, identify how your work world conflicts with God's kingdom in your place of work. Is there pressure to be dishonest with customers? Is there pressure to fudge the numbers just a little bit? Is there pressure to look the other way when abuse or harassment happens? What about if you are in a work environment that doesn't pay um, a right or good wage to employees? What if your company financially supports dehumanizing industries such as harsh child labor laws in foreign countries? I mean, like the list could go on and on and on, right? As we continue to think about these things, there's really no end to what we could consider. How is my work or my business or my place of employment, how is it impacting the world? And in what ways does God's kingdom a part of that? In what ways is it not? And what is my role in the middle of all of it? The second thing to consider is what authority do you have where you are engaging in your work? What is your position? Are you in a position of authority? 
If so, well, then you must recognize that that authority has been given to you by God because all authority comes from God himself. You have a responsibility to God and to his kingdom to do something, to say something. Maybe that means confronting the problem and the persons and initiate change in your organization or your culture. That also means that you're going to get resistance, right? Anytime you're trying to initiate change, you're always going to get resistance. That's kind of leadership 201, there's going to be someone trying to sabotage, someone trying to, to keep things the same. Leading change is not easy. So there's an endurance element to that as well. What if you find yourself in a more subordinate position? Maybe the, the conflict is nothing you can directly use your position to do something about. What do you do then? Well, there's a lot of options you have. The first thing you could do is maybe confront Maybe you confront a coworker. Maybe you go to your boss and say, there's a problem here. We need to work on this. Maybe you don't confront, but you simply resist. Maybe you don't go seek out the problem, but if the problem comes to you, you God's calling you just to stand firm and to say no or to say yes uh, when he wants to lead you to do that. Maybe there's a stance of just enduring. Maybe there's a season that's going on in your work and God's simply calling you to endure until something passes. And then finally, maybe God is calling you to quit and seek another place of work. These are real options that can happen. We confront, we resist, we endure, or we quit and we seek another work setting. Now, I have no real formula for you because I don't know if there is a formula. The only formula I have is number three here, and that is simply pray for discernment. God, what do you want me to do? in my world and in my situation. Every one of us is in a different context, in a different place, in a different time. We have different people we're responding to. We're in different organizations. We're in different places of authority and we're all unique. So the Holy Spirit is going to have to lead you. You're gonna to have to trust in the Holy Spirit to show you what to do, to show you what to say, to help you to make the decisions that need to be made. Pray for discernment. Pray for God's direction and for guidance. God wants to enter into the struggle with you. He wants to enter into your situation, even the ambiguous ones. And number four, remember the redemptive elements of the struggle that you might find yourself in. Those redemptive elements are at least these. Number one, what might God be doing in you? Sometimes when we struggle in life and we struggle in our places of work and in our vocation, God is not just working on the world out there. God is trying to do something to us. He is forming and shaping and cultivating character. Character that leads us to be the kind of people that God wants and needs us to be for the sake of his kingdom and his world. Character, character uh, elements such as patience or endurance, forming us into and shaping us into the very image of Christ. What might God be doing in you? I want to encourage you to accept the challenges in your workplace as spiritually forming opportunities. Often we have a challenge and the tendency is to, to try to run from it or avoid it or, or 
overcome it with everything that we can in our own power, but maybe God is wanting to use the tension and use the struggle as an opportunity to shape you and form you. Maybe he is bringing you through a season of testing because he is working on you. Never lose sight of how in the struggles of your life and in the struggles of your work, God just might be working on you. And then the second redemptive element is how might God be doing something not just in you, but how might be God doing something through you? Often our true character gets revealed when we're tested. Most of us can be good people when life is good, but when life gets hard, that's when the real person comes out, right? Well, what if we humble ourselves? What if we're patient and trusting in God? What might God do? How might he use your disposition, your attitude, the things you do, the things you say, the things you refrain from doing and saying as a witness to other people in your workplace? How might God be using you in ways that you have no idea? I'm willing to bet that there is somebody watching you in your workplace that you don't even know is watching you. They're, they're noticing you, they're paying attention to you, and they may never come up and say anything to you about it. But they're watching. God might be using you in ways that you aren't even aware of. That's what it means to bear witness to the gospel sometimes, is that we do that in ways that we have no idea. No matter what your position is, your attitude and your work has an influence on others. And God wants to use you in the way that you work to show the world who he is. Finally, I simply want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to, as, as you consider how your work world and the kingdom of God do and don't come together, to continue to, to focus on that and to ask God to help those to continue to come together in your life to keep praying, to keep entering into whatever challenge or struggle that comes with that, to jump into that tension because it's in that tension where God is usually doing his greatest work. Let us pray.